Friends, Thursday already. Kind of tough to believe, isn't it, that we are already on Thursday. But here we are, nonetheless. And uh, we're excited for it. Acts chapter 4 is where we'll be camping this morning. And uh, it is, I think it's a great passage. I mean, I love teaching the Bible anyway, but um, I think it's a really great passage that uh, it gets to a place where every single one of us lives, and uh, it applies to everybody. Uh, really, every believer uh, can uh, take to heart what we're looking at today. Well, we spent a couple of days speaking of the miraculous, and you know, is that for today or not for today, and only for then, or you know, those types of things that we discussed for a few days. Today we get into some a little bit more common area, and uh, area that I think uh, we can uh, 
everybody can relate to, everybody can practice. So uh, I will take us here uh, into Acts chapter 4. So uh, getting into it, let's jump right in here and see what it has to say to us. Here we go. Uh, The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were still speaking to the people. Now, they were preaching. They were communicating the gospel. Uh, The words repentance were part of uh, what they had to say. It says they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men the number of men grew to about five thousand. That is specific men, not counting the women. So we we know that uh, uh, the number of men had grown to five thousand, three thousand to five thousand, and, and then the women and the children on top of that. It says the next day the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Uh, Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or by, by what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Um, Verse 11, sorry, I got distracted by comments. Uh, He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage and Peter of John and realized they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healing standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. And they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go and they could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So the testimony, um, so the testimony uh, of this man uh, and what has happened here, uh, spreading more broadly, more widely, um, and we just want to take note, 
the religious people got all up in arms, not just religious people, but religious leaders got all up in arms. Uh, and what had them up in arms? Uh, they were up in arms because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Now, I, I want to say to you, I, I do relate with this a little bit. I, I went to a church um, when I was, before I trusted in Christ, that wonderful, loving people, but at that point, I think things changed later on, but at that point, uh, they were upset by the message that I would proclaim as a 15, 16-year-old teenager about this very type of thing, about the necessity of faith in Jesus Christ, about the necessity of uh, being born again, uh, of the necessity of uh, entrusting your life to Christ, the necessity of receiving Christ and believing in his name, uh, those things were troubling. They were greatly disturbed because I was speaking to other people my own age about what I had experienced and understood from the gospel and that I was proclaiming the necessity of being born again. Uh, and they started telling the young people, I mean, I at, by this point in time, I, I left that church and started attending a different church. But by this point in time, uh, 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 I had left and gone to different church, and, and then what they were doing was telling their younger people to not listen to what I had to say. However, uh, they did. Uh, many of them came to the morning Bible study that I began leading in our public high school. And uh, just for the record, young people can still do that. There's still laws that allow that. They cannot dis discriminate against uh, a young person saying, hey, I'd like to hold a Bible study before school or after school or during a, a study hall or a lunch break or something like that. Uh, we just need to see young people who are emboldened and challenged. And what they need to see are us older people emboldened uh, and giving other people challenges. They need to see us uh, taking steps of faith, courageous steps of faith, that they too mightn't be encouraged to do the same thing. So we see the religious people being disturbed. We see them seizing Peter and John because it was evening. They put them in jail. I mean, it's just like, hey, we'll, we'll deal with these guys the next day. However, verse 4 says this, but many who heard the message believed, and the number grew. So to, to see more and more and more people. Would we pray toward this end, friends, that more and more and more people would believe the message? That's That should be our prayer focus. Um, it's okay to pray for a broken toe. It's okay to pray for, and we should. I mean, God cares about these things. But I am absolutely convinced that the church needs to spend even more time praying for those who will believe in Christ. We need to be praying for the lost to have their eyes opened. We need to be praying for us as believers to, in fact, we will read this later on, not today, but probably tomorrow we'll get into it. We need to pray that we ourselves would be emboldened to communicate the gospel to the people who are around us. So many heard and believed the message. 
Let us pray. Lord, we pray right now that there would be many who would believe our message. We pray that we would be bold to proclaim the message, uh, both personally and corporately. Both of those fall into place. And so, Lord, it is my prayer that you would help us to, uh, to be bold and that you would help us to, uh, in the power of the Spirit, communicate the gospel message that many, many, many would believe. That, that is our prayer. Lord, do something radical in our day. Cause believers in America especially to be passionate uh, and to be drawn deeply into relationship with you, uh, not just the law, but with you. Lord, that is our prayer, that many would believe the gospel. Back into the text, it says this. The next day, the rulers, elders, teachers of the law met in Jerusalem, and it talks about who was there. And then in verse 7, it says, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. <coughs> Excuse me. By what power or by what name do you do this? And Peter, and this is significant. It says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, friends, would we pray that we'd be filled with the Holy Spirit? To be filled with the Holy Spirit, I mean, something, well, that prayer, what are we praying for? We're praying to speak in tongues. No. Uh, we're praying to uh, be freed up in our worship to dance about. No, I'm, I'm not disparaging those things. But what were they praying for? And what was the Holy Spirit filling Peter for? Except for service, except uh, the very fact that the Holy Spirit would, would fill Peter, that he would have boldness and clarity in the proclamation of the gospel. It doesn't matter what type of service you're going to do for the Lord. Desire to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Desire to be under the, the Spirit's control. Desire to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in whatever act of service you're doing. It might be taking a loaf of bread to somebody and giving it to them in Jesus' name. It might be uh, giving someone a ride for a cancer treatment in Jesus' name. It might be giving a, a gift to somebody in Jesus' name to, to help support them, but that we would be filled. In fact, I think we should seek to be filled by the Spirit, and to be filled means to be controlled by the Spirit, whether we're reading, studying, uh, teaching, writing, uh, talking with somebody, uh, doing chores around the house, whatever it might be, that we would desire to be under the Spirit's control. But significantly, in verse 8, it says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account because of an act of kindness shown to a cripple. I mean, that was the issue. They had done something kind to this man, uh, and he was healed, uh, and this is what created the stir. This is what created the, the problem. If we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and asked how he's healed, then know this, you and all the people, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected. And the way that he says this, the you kind of 
poking his finger into their chest a little bit and saying, you, it is you guys rejected him. And then he says in verse 12, and this is a verse that we all ought to know. It is a verse, uh, an evangelism verse. Verse 12, top of the page says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. It is only by faith in the name of Jesus. That is it, period. That is a verse that I think every Christian needs to know. That is that is an evangelism verse. So if you have your tablet, you would write that one down on the tablet. Verse 13 is another verse that I think this, this applies to all of us. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus for us to understand the same thing. They saw the courage of Peter and John. They realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. Uh, so for us, now I'm not unschooled, but you might say, well, Pastor Jim, you have all those degrees and you have all that education and you have all that meaningless there could be people who listen to us who barely finished high school. There could be people who listen, who are listening to this broadcast who've never finished high school. Uh, there could be people listening to this broadcast from different places in the world that, that have the most basic or even no education. Uh, and, and I know people like that who cannot read and cannot write. But I want to say to you, if you're listening from someplace in the world, doesn't matter. If you will be with Jesus, he can do incredible things through your life. This is the incredible thing that we all should do. Verse 13. 12 is a verse that every believer should know. 13 is a verse that every believer should live. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. You don't have to be somebody special. You have you have the sovereign of the universe who will work in you, the sovereign of the universe who will uh, speak to you, the sovereign of the universe who will guide you, the sovereign of the universe who will empower you. The key thing for all of us in all of this is the very end of verse 13. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, <clears throat> I think we could round this out. They're saying that these men had been with Jesus because they're looking at men. But I think for every single one of us, we could say they were astonished. They took note that these people, that these men, that these women had been with Jesus. The most significant thing we can do, friends, is be with Jesus. What does it mean to be with Jesus? Well, it's a couple things. We have unfortunately limited down to just having a devotional life. But I think it means much, much more than that. Uh, in fact, I know it, <clears throat> it means much, much more than that. It means learning to live in Christ every day. That means living with the awareness of the presence of Christ all the time. That's what it means, that we would live with Jesus and that we're learning. And the word that is shared, a couple different words, translations, in John 15, that we would abide in Jesus, that we would remain in Jesus. 
That's the significant thing. The most significant thing we can do is how do we be with him? Well, yes, we be with him by reading his word. That is part of it. We be with him by being prayerful. We be with him by by being thankful upward, not just general, I'm just thankful today. Thankful to whom? Thankful to God. Thankful to Jesus Christ. Um, Living with the awareness of his presence, saying, Lord, help me to become ever more aware of your presence. In fact, I was telling some older people yesterday, yesterday morning, I said, my prayer, and those of you that are older listening in this morning, I want you to hear my prayer. My prayer is for you. I want you to go out of this world with every bit of passion and energy and delight and desire and proximity and sense of usefulness to Christ as you've ever had in your life. That's my prayer for you. I was thinking of a friend yesterday who had a great experience when he was younger, but now he's older. And, and, And I said to him directly, I said, look, I want you in this phase of your life, to, to find the excitement that you were had when you were a younger person. And so I, and I pray the same for you. I pray that you will be caught up in Christ. I pray that you will be uh, filled to the full measure, the fullness of Jesus. I pray that you would be worshipful. I pray that you would be uh, fruitful, not fruity, but fruitful. That's my prayer for you. And I don't care if you're 75 years old or 76 or 78 or 81 or 82 or 83 or 84. My prayer is for you. I mean, you're closer to being with Jesus than ever. And I don't mean that. I don't say that to be morbid. I say that is just a matter of fact. And and to, to realize that you were that close to allow it to fill you with joy, to allow it to fill you with peace, to allow that reality of being in this proximity to Jesus to to fill you with hope and to fill you with courage. That's my prayer for you, for all of us, that we would be filled to the full measure of Jesus. That's our prayer. Oh, well, this is this is good. Some comments over here, just, just looking at a few of the comments that, that I can read. Uh, here you go. I am more on fire for Jesus now than any time in my life. And you, Jim, have inspired me greatly in this. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm humbled by that fact. Now saying when we spend time with Jesus, he will tell us things he wants us to do for him, things that we think we could never do all things to touch people's hearts and show them God's love and how very close uh, how very close he is to us absolutely to spend time but but what I'm what I'm wanting to drive at is is the idea of spending time with Jesus is not just a devotional thing uh you might spend time with Jesus as you're driving down the road you might spend time, and, and I, I know that we all believe these things. I'm just trying to underscore these things. Uh, I've talked about this book before, the, the book, The Practice of the Presence of God. 
that that we would learn the practice of the presence of God, that that we would learn to live in the practice of the presence of God. And, And it takes us being mentally and spiritually aware that he is there, acknowledging that he is there and saying, Lord, in this moment, help me to be aware of your presence with us. And I do think, I mean, I want to talk a little bit about what Nell said in her comment. You know, uh, we will spend time, he, he will show us what he wants us to do. I do think that we in our day are too busy. Uh, and, and I know that's hard to swallow, but I, I, I know I see people, Christians, who are not living in the power of the Spirit. Uh, and are feeling defeated and feeling depleted because their schedule is too full for God. How does that show up? That shows up in our devotional life that we don't have one. How does that show up? It shows up in our vacation life that we don't take God with us. It shows up in our worship life in that a couple different things. Uh, Worship has now become a very optional thing for, for so many people. And I know from time to time, we're going to miss being gathered together. I get that. But what has become the norm is, you know, if, if I can make it two weeks out of five to worship with that I'm doing good, isn't God worth more than that? Isn't the gathering together of the saints for the worship of God something that should have a high priority in our life that doesn't get pushed out by everything else? Just just something to muse on, just something to think about. Um, and, you know, if if you end up with a slipper that fits, you wear it and say, okay, Lord, I'm convicted. I, I need to make it more of a priority. And I'm not talking to Veracity Chapel people alone, and certainly not you, because most of you, this this you're there a lot. But churches, I mean, there's studies that now saying that church attendance is half of what it was, the church numbers might be the same in terms of how many members they have, but people attend church half as much or less than they did 30 years ago. Uh, and those are people who are, quote, regularly involved. Now, I'm not just talking about our church attendance. I'm talking about living life with Jesus. But but how do we do this? Reading the scriptures, listening to music, listening to podcasts, being aware of the presence of God, getting together and praying with other believers— getting together and worshiping with other believers, these things all count. They're all important, all things that we need to do. Yeah, they took note they had been with Jesus. May it be so in our lives that people would take note of us. Um, that they would take note of us. I'm trying to figure out where that cross is that you're talking about, Walter. Uh, is it on this camera? Walter's talking about, he keeps seeing it, and, and what a great reminder as you go out into your day, but I'm not sure. I'll have to figure out where that is that you're looking. If you're seeing a cross and there's not one there, then God is speaking to your heart, brother. That That's for certain. Let me finish out this section. They were told to not speak any longer in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John, verse 19, said this, Judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. 
Oh, yeah, on the door. Our doors have crosses, absolutely. The door behind me here uh, on the, the bathroom door has a cross. Uh, our bedroom has three doors, and they all have crosses on them. And I don't know if that was by intent that those doors had been put in. I mean, we didn't build this house, but I do think about that. Yes, it is a great room. Maybe we should paint it so it stands out more. I don't know, but thank you. They said, what's more? What's better? What do we need to do? Listen to you or listen to God? Verse 20, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard, and may that be true of us, that we cannot help but speak to what we have seen and what we have heard. Verse 21 says, after further threats to let them go, they could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Friends, my prayer is that because of us, people would be praising God. May people praise God because of us. May people praise God because of our church. May people praise God because of uh, how Christ is experienced in our life that rubs off onto their life. May we be people by our proximity with Jesus who bring out praise in other people. May that be true of us today. Well, friends, I said it applied to all of us. They took note that they were unschooled, ordinary men, but they had been with Jesus. May we be those people, whether we're schooled or not schooled, whether we're ordinary or extraordinary, may it be Jesus radiating out of us that people see, that people experience, and people get to know. Lord, help us today to walk with you, aware of your presence, joyful in your company. May that be our life today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, have a fantastic day. we got a day to go. We'll finish another section of Acts chapter 4 tomorrow. Have a great day, everyone.